Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the very first ever episode podcast of Behind the Kit. Hopefully you guys enjoy this new format. Please let me know if this is better for you than, say, a YouTube video or an Instagram clip. Because I'd like to do more of these. Um, I've got one more interview at least that uh, doesn't work well on the YouTube platform. Just how the camera was angled and it was just one, basically a tripod shot the whole time. Which is what happened with this Craig Blundell podcast. So uh, we were hoping to get some more footage. It didn't come out. And... uh, here we go with the podcast. So this interview was recorded last year. It's pretty old, but there's great information in there. Craig was on tour with Stephen Wilson at the time. Now he's on tour with Steve Hackett. He may even be coming to a city near you. So if you want more info on Craig, you can go to craigblundell.com. That's www.craigblund. E-L-L dot C-O-M. CraigBlundell.com. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Kit. We have got Craig here from Stephen Wilson. Thanks again for doing this for me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Casey. Thank you. Um, So first up, of course, how did you form a relationship with Stephen? Well, it was, uh, I think, 2015. And um, uh, a buddy of mine, John Mitchell, said that Stephen's looking for a drummer. Because uh, Marco was off going to do Joe Satriani, I think, at the time. Uh, and I was like, wow. I mean, I was a fan anyway of Porcupine Tree and of Stevens. So to be just to be considered was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty big honor. Um, and then it came to fruition. I got a text message off Stevens saying that, would you be interested in auditioning? I was like, wow, of course, you know. So I learned two songs. <clears throat> and um, I think Stephen had asked Gavin at the time, you know, Stephen had two drummers in mind. And um, Gavin was like, go with me, try me out. So I had the audition. I was a frightened little schoolboy. I somehow managed to cobble through the audition. Um, played it really badly. Really? I think. Yeah. What, what did you have to play for the audition? I had to play three years older and hand could not erase. And I remember just um, at that time in my life, I used to blog quite about it, a lot about it. I used to suffer with quite like anxiety and stage fright and stuff. And um, I remember setting up my kit and uh, going through it and having Stephen pacing up and down and listening. And, I just crumbled, you know, I, 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 and I was trying to copy Marco's parts. And, you know, as I blogged about now, there's only one Marco, there's only one mm-hmm. Gavin, you know, and I fell victim of trying to be someone else and just could not pull that off, obviously, you know. And, and yeah, for some freak of nature, I don't know if the wind changed direction or whatever it was, <laughs> um, he says, what are you doing for the next two months? And I'm like, well, I had a bit of teaching on a couple of co- other commitments, you know, but to play with Stephen for, you know, for that period of time, I'd be an absolute fool to be it's one of the most amazing drum chairs in music you know so uh so there i was and i found myself on a plane to south america like two and a half months later um as a very frightened young lad (laughs) and i was completely out my depth you know but um three years later i'm still here just i think now the boss is happy which which is great but um it it, you know it was such an amazing opportunity for me and I'm, i'm deeply grateful of that that's awesome so, yeah, you mentioned before that um, when you were first playing your first couple of shows with him that you were really embarrassed and it didn't really go quite as you planned. Yeah. So how did you get through that? What Were there exercises? Was it just practice, practice? Or what, what helped you get through those initial shows? That's interesting. You know, once again, as I've talk, talked about a little bit, not, not in great detail, you know, when you take to the stage with, with, with Stephen, 
it's really interesting. You feel like you're on a drum exam. You know, you, you look out, and I, I do, I'm very fortunate to do clinics all over the world and masterclasses, which is great. And I'm very comfortable in that, in that environment. But with, I hate to word the, the progressive fans, but with progressive fans, they noticed everything. They noticed mm. everything. It's like, oh, that's not like the original. Yeah. Oh, Marco <laughs> wouldn't have played like that. It's like, oh, man. So um, with the added pressure, um, certainly when I first took over the gig, Interesting. And before I went on on the plane, I got a phone call like three weeks earlier uh, to cover Chad Wackerman on, on on another tour, which was another honor, you know. So I found myself on that tour the same day on the Monday morning, learning charts on 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 the train, doing the gig that night. So I got home after that tour, and then I didn't really think about it. I just used to listen to my iPod quite a lot and just go. Anyway, walked on stage. It was in Mexico or Chile. Chile. I'll never forget it because I never played in South America and the audiences down there are pretty wild and, and I kind of wasn't prepared, you know. I was like <laughs> kind of expecting a polite golf clap. Right. And I sat down and they're all going nuts and it's like, oh, I've got to change my alien monitors and stuff like that. And I'm just looking out at the sea of peisty, pearl, zildian t-shirts and I kind of crumbled a little bit, you know. I wasn't really ready for that. And with the added bonus that Stephen records the show every night, goes back to his bunk and listens to it and... And we'll make the changes the next day and say, right, nice. this is what you're doing. And it's like, oh, you feel like you're going into the head teacher's <laughs> right. office the next day and being told off, you know. And I had that for quite so, a long period of time. And, and, you know, a lot of the fans were very supportive. A lot of my, my English, I won't say fans, I hate that word, it's conceited. But a lot of the people that follow me in England were really proud that I got the gig. The people probably a little bit further afield who didn't know I was, they're like, who is this guy? Burn him at the stake. You know, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. So, and I, so I had to suffer that quite a bit and it was hard staying off social media you know where musicians are quite a fragile bunch you know and we all want to be liked and we all want to be loved and and when you're in such an institution that is Stephen because he's you know he's a big brand worldwide and fans don't like change they don't like change yeah. you know I'm the same with my favourite bands if a new drummer or a new bass player comes I'm like hey who's this, this is <laughs> and it yeah. takes a lot to impress them you know it's taking a long long time you're never going to appease everybody. And that's the, that's the one thing I've learned now. And, and it's to stop trying to be Marco and Gavin. You know, there's only one of those guys and they are impeccable. You know, they are really, truly unique in their approach and their style. I just, I thought the best way to silence my critics is to say nothing at all, keep my head down and work. So I literally was on the bus every day after after doing the gig, feeling like I, I was just clinging onto the dots. You know, I was, I was playing the songs, but not playing the songs. Mm -hmm. And um, I could feel it. I could feel it. And Stephen knew it too, you know, and we used to have regular chats about it. And I was getting extremely nervous. And I just thought the best way to do it is go back to the pad, you know, and get better. You know, there's a level of pro that I was at in the UK. I'd like to think fairly respected working pro and then you get to the next level and it's like wow there it is you know i'm a massive keen golfer i love playing golf and and i used to think i was pretty good at the golf uh, golf <laughs> and, and a friend a friend of mine a guy um, who lives in america he's called paul casey who's super talented you know he's, he's in the top few in the world i hit a golf ball then you watch him hit a golf ball and you realize there's pro and there's pro and there's, there's different yeah, levels yeah. of that you know and i just realize i just need to get better just get better and for a pro that's quite hard to take mm -hmm. in some days you know yeah. you think ah oh, okay i'm not good enough for this gig and i quite fact i wasn't that good so i need to work harder and you know three years on now i still adopt that same philosophy i'm in a completely different headspace now uh with my feet still on the floor i'm in a completely different headspace but that feeling of I want to go to the stage for three hours and have fun with my friends. Not, I want to go on stage and just about clamber through some of those parts that yeah. Mark or Gavin have recorded, you know, and yeah. it's taken some time. And also adjustment of the headspace to try and deal with the fact that when the fans are looking at you, it's like, 
listen, I'm just going to be the best, best me I can be. You know, I, I don't want to be a karaoke drummer. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to give respect to those parts, but I also want to want to do me. And Stephen was keen for me to put my stamp on things. You know, Good. and I feel like now for the first time in my career after all these years. I've got the playing vocabulary to do that now, you know, and it's, yeah. it's a nice feeling. It's yeah. a nice feeling, but hard work. Did you have any part in the writing process or did he kind of just send you files? He said, okay, here's the song. Here's what I want. Just do, what you, do your thing. Steven's great like that. You know, I mean, he'll write and he, he's very insular. He'll lock himself away and all of a sudden he's got an album. And it's like, <laughs> where the hell did that come from? You know, um, he will also share stems on the road. He's saying, he, uh, like when we, um, when he did Vermilion Core, I think that's one of my first tracks I played with him, like crazy mm. drum and bass thing. He'd send me a raw take of it, and he's like, could you do anything with this? And I was like, well, yeah, give it to me, And because I love programming and doing like remixes and stuff. So I would do some like glitchy, weird stuff, and then it'll take on. I won't say it's, it's certainly not writing with him, but it's, it's, sure. it's, it's adding a little bit to the pie, mm -hmm. you know, and um, which... To have that trust from him is, is amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, And then when we get, get into the studio, he has a fairly... Um, focus mind where he wants the drums to be like on this album uh you know i i got loads of like fans going ah you're not doing this you're not doing that i i had to fight with stephen's <laughs> trying to get to, to, to try actually get drum fills on the album you know he wanted yeah. it it's a singer song it's a great album but mm -hmm. it's not if i was to go and do and do like in his words drum olympics over it it's never going to work you know mm -hmm. it's not going to be on the beat on the on the radio stations because yeah. it's a drum solo for there's a time and a place Definitely. um so i had to strip everything back no double pedal i turned up to the studio with about a million toms and he's like <laughs> what are you doing here what, what is this you know so we stripped it all right the way back you know and same with jeremy when jeremy you know we, we both we both played on it, but it wasn't like crazy drum fest thing, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't want it this time round, and you know, listen to the album now, and you hear it on the radio. It's, it's always I'm quite proud of my contribution, but I also I'm quite proud that the drums are quite understated, and, and mm -hmm. it serves the song, which is what all drummers should do. Yeah, a lot of them Definitely. get it wrong, you know. Yep. Me included, growing up, it's things you learn, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you spoken with Gavin since you started playing these songs? Has he commented or has he seen you perform them at all? Yeah, it was really intimidating, actually. <laughs> I'll never forget it. 2015, end of 2015, Stephen extended my stay, which was great, and uh, kept me on a little bit longer. And he said, um, Gavin's going to join me for a song on the Albert Hall. I'm like, oh, great. Um, oh, great. And, like, you know, <laughs> uh, and I love Gav, obviously. He's, he's, he's a monster player. He's an influence of mine. You know, he's a huge influence of mine. And, um, yeah, pretty much he stood stage right for the whole show, which is, is quite intimidating. But, you know, if, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. either, you know, you sink or swim sort of mm -hmm. thing, you know. But, um, you know, I text him after I got the gig. Uh, so thank you very much for, you know, just recommended me and stuff. Gavin's off doing Crimson. I'm off doing Stephen. Never the twain shall meet, you know. We're, we're both extremely busy doing our own thing, you know. Mm -hmm. We're never in the same country. Um, but I'd like to think there's a mutual respect there. Sure, yeah. I, would, I would like to think, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is your favorite song on the set? Ah, right. Okay, well, mm. Interesting. I mean, on this on this one of To The Bone, we don't play it necessarily like the album. We play it a little bit more aggressive. Stephen likes a quite aggressive stage sound. Um, I will always love playing Ancestral. It's always fun. You know, it's, I, I get to cut loose a little bit, which, which is great. Um, I enjoy playing an old PT song called Create As A Master Tape. It's uh, like a drum and bass thing, mm -hmm. which they didn't do live a lot. Uh, and I kind of spent about 10 years of my life playing drum and bass stuff in the early days, you know. So I enjoy playing that. Yeah. But... Every song has its challenges, whether it be a timekeeping challenge, whether it be a tech challenge on stage. Because this year on this tour, I decided that I wasn't, I didn't want to personally, while drums are playing off an album, like program drums, just sit on my arms folded mm -hmm. and wait for the Mac to play them. I want to play it all live. So 
I decided that I spoke to Stephen about it and I said, look, I, I would love to play all this live um, if possible. So he sent me all the stems, all the individual hits, and then I configured a TD50 and SPDSX by the side of me. And so I'm pretty much playing like 95% of all the electronics live, which nice. has a new challenge because yeah. obviously the way Stephen's program stuff, it doesn't come from a drummer. So, so mm-hmm. some of it might be a bit weird. Mm-hmm. So to kind of replicate that live is, is a challenge. So the whole set's a challenge and I'm pretty tired after a show. It may not be physically crazily demanding. Some songs are, mm-hmm. but my, my brain is fried because there's so many patch changes. I've got loads of pedals on my feet going on with all yeah. these changes and stuff. Um, so yeah, it keeps me busy. But I'd say if I'm having a, the drummer in me that wants to just have some fun, <laughs> ancestral every time you can you can have a lot of fun with that for yeah. sure nice okay so what's your favorite song on to the bone i i you know Stephen has this this habit of writing a very melancholic stuff that put that tugs on the heartstrings um not necessarily a drummer's track but something that i remember i remember vividly vividly recording it in the studio is called song of unborn very very simple just kick snare kick snare but live it, it just has this real unbelievable feeling and you can see it connects with many people in the audience he does a speech before the song um, and you can see that everybody's connecting with that song before we play it and mm-hmm. it's always nice just to play kick snare kick snare nothing too crazy mm-hmm. and then seeing the audience absolutely there with you and yeah. you can hear a pin drop you know that's it's always a nice feeling you know mm-hmm. Nowhere Now is great Pariah is great um, Detonation we, we take off piste a little bit and have a, bit, a little bit of fun near the <laughs> end and that goes a bit wild some days you know but I, I think from, from purely starting out with it as a kick snare hats guy, Song of Unborn is probably my, my track I would choose, cool. definitely. So how did you end up on R&D Japan for... For Roland? V, yeah, Roland V-Drums. That, that was a real interesting one, you know, I, I, and I, I've got a lot to thank Roland for. They kind of put me on the map, you know, when, when nobody else would give me a gig or give me you know, any exposure whatsoever. They were the guys that, 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 that put me on the map. Um, I remember going to a... Um, like a drum festival, 2002, 2003, mm. in, in London or somewhere somewhere in the UK. And then going on the Roland stand, I've been blown away. I already owned like a TD3 anyway. I remember going onto, onto the stand and, and speaking to the guys and just playing and, and just just being really brutal and upfront. You know, I was still working the day job and I was just like desperate to get out of the day job at the time. And I was like, if you ever need somebody to demonstrate your drums, I said, I love the Roland stuff. I mean, I, I was brought up with Simmons kits. And so I was always fascinated with electronics, watching mm-hmm. Bill Bruford do the hybrid thing. You know, it's, it's incredible. So I started um, getting into the Roland thing. And, and then I went to a trade show. I played, I played a TD6 at the time, I think it was, um, on, the, on the stand. And, and I was fascinated by it and got chatting to one of their marketing guys. And I just said, look, if ever the opportunity arises, would you give me an opportunity? You know, I would love to do it. And half the, half the, the battle, even though I'm quite shy and quite nervous when I'm on stage or, you know, it, it's well documented. I stuff with quite, you know, stage fright. I'm not I'm not the most big ego drummer that's going to mm-hmm. stand up and spin sticks in front of people. I just play the charts, you know. Um, half my job is communication with somebody, you know, speaking to somebody. I like talking. I love talking about drums. And he took my card I, I, I got my the rubbish little cards that get printed off at a service station got ripped <laughs> off so rubbish font I gave him my card nothing happened and then a year later 2003 I got that call saying would you do a demo for us and I was like oh really in a <laughs> store on a Saturday and so they sent me the kit down I was like reading the manual reading the manual um, took a day off my job did it absolutely loved it played along to mini disc tracks you know really nice. just re- played over the top of yeah. the drums really bad looking looking at it now but <laughs> 
it, that I realized then that this is what I want to do, you know, just get people involved with electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of people thinking it's just for dance music, me being obsessed with like Toto and King Crimson and Yes and those guys to, to you know, to open up those doors, you know, with mm-hmm. electronics. And um, I did the job. The, the shop reported back to the Roland. I did a good job. And, and yes. then it started trickling very slowly. And then I started doing some more stuff for Roland UK uh, up until about 2005, 2006. And then 2008, I was contacted by Roland Japan saying that, you know, we've been seeing your stuff from UK. You come, you know, highly respected. Would you be interested in coming to Japan and, and getting involved with us? And I was like, who wouldn't? You yeah. know, who wouldn't? So um, my first project was TD9. I did a lot of kits for the TD9. And then it all kind of snowballed from there, really. So it's a very small team. You know, that there's only a few consultants like me, Michael Shack, Thomas Lang, and a few other guys that, mm-hmm. that make patches and, and get involved with the meetings about how the kit should look, how it should sound. And it's a real privilege when, when, you, when you see people on YouTube playing their stuff, think, oh, I, I did that kit. Yeah, I had it, some part in that. Yeah, it's, re- it's really, really nice. And, you know, for, for me personally, like I said at the start of this question, I, they put my videos all over YouTube, all over social media. And when I was involved with a, like TD50 or whatever it was, they put me everywhere. And, and you know, it's, it's as a freelance guy, it's, it's so nice to get out there because, you know, you only have one click away from anybody seeing your material yeah. and your work, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're great. They're visionaries. And, uh, and, you know, I've been with them a long time now and long may it continue. That's awesome. So you are still planning to do like the international demos? Yeah, I, I mean, Stephen I stuff cools don't down. do so many demos anymore, okay. uh, purely because of the routine now with Stephen mm-hmm. and touring. And, and I played on a lot of albums last year. I played <laughs> on nearly 40 albums. So um, that kind of gets in the way of stuff. But, you know, when like halfway through this tour is finished, I'm doing like a little tour of the UK. Um, uh, and then I've got a couple of things near the end of the year abroad. But regarding the demo stuff, they, they kind of use me now for drum festivals and things oh, like okay. that, which is great. Yeah. You know, you get to play with Meet Your Heroes and, mm-hmm. you know, and turn people onto the gear. Um, and then the, the lovely thing about that, I don't just mention Roland, Roland, Roland. I just use it on the gig. That's the <laughs> night. I don't have to because people know now that on this gig that I'm using on this tour, mm-hmm. I've got loads of Roland stuff. I don't need to preach from the word. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to wear the badge. Yeah. I just say, this is what I'm doing on the gig. Uh, <laughs> and it just adds a little bit more credibility, I think, yeah. rather than just a guy that's saying, you must use Roland because and then you see him and he's never used it you yeah. know um, and I know a lot of guys like that in different electronic brands that, that don't actually use the gear so mm-hmm. um, it's a really easy easy play and clinic for me because it's just, I'm just talking about what I'm doing every day to day day yeah. in day out with Steven yeah so are there any well has Steven talked about any other plans yet or is he pretty well like taking a break after this he never takes a break you know <laughs> he says he'll have a sabbatical but he, he you know he, he never t- he's a workaholic he's, he's, he's really 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 inspiring with his work ethic and I work pretty hard you know and, and I like to do other things remixes and all that sort of stuff but he's um He's very inspiring, you know, when he's on the road, whenever when you can just lie in bed all day long, he's out, he's working on, you know, he's working on mixes for the Albert Hall shows now and for the DVD and he, he's doing stuff and he's doing interviews constantly. So we'll get this album cycle out of the way and I, I, I don't know how long it's going to be, you know, originally it was a few months, now it's going to be the year, it's probably going to spill into next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I mean, he'll be writing again I'm sure he's he's prolific with that sort of thing so and what direction who knows yeah who knows yeah. You, you, you know so I'm just as a freelance guy be absolutely grateful to be along for the ride and be part of the team it's uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a real privilege you know there's absolutely. a there's a lot of guys that would want the chair I'm on you know yeah. and I know that and I'm respectful of that you yeah. know it's uh, you never know who's watching you know and my actually going back to talking about the audition process when my name was put forward and my other friend John Mitchell put me up for it as well Stephen spent the day on my social media 
So I didn't even know. And, and <laughs> so he spent the day looking at my Facebook, looking at my Instagram. And because, you know, it's important to him, see how you are on and off the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, and I'm the same on stage as I am off the stage. My feet are on the floor and I have a, I have a lot of fun. I have a laugh, you know. And um, yeah, so my first audition was Facebook without, without him even knowing <laughs> yeah. how times change, right? right. Um, so yeah, you never, you never know who's watching. So yeah. who knows what's next? I mean, I've got quite a lot of albums to do for me as well. So um, I'll try and fit them in, in, in and out of the routine, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Okay, so what are one or two exercises or practice routines that have maybe helped you break through a certain plateau or just that you really like? Um, I have to say, I mean, I have this with my students, you know, when when everyone's talking about getting better, get it. I, I always, to get better, go backwards. So I'm always thinking about foundation practice. I, I have two forms of practice, foundation and fun. My fun being iPod playing along to my favorite bands and or playing at the set, as it were. Foundation is going back to my simple stuff, quarter notes, eighth notes, triplets, and then working on sticking. Get them on the left foot, get them on the left, on the, on the left hand. I turned my kit around for a year and pra- I'm just literally practice left-handed, left-footed. And really? It's, yeah, I mean, for the teachers out there, they'll probably slay me for that. You know, it's the, <laughs> There's no right or wrong, you know, but yeah. for, for me personally, I just felt like my left hand could have been better. My left foot could have been better because it's a little bit busier now on, on the set. So yeah, I just turned everything around. I just turned everything around. Don't do that at home or on the gig, kids. <laughs> You'll get fired. Um, but literally just to get that power in my left foot again and the hi-hat because it just felt like it felt like I was playing a salmon you know mm-hmm. it's just like there's nothing there so I needed to go back to basics so all my practice is is not reinventing the wheel it's going back to singles doubles paradiddles working through every single accent doing exactly the same with my feet limb locking getting everything if, I, if I'm looking at I'm, and I'm absolutely obsessed with this with two limbs at any one time the six combinations the hands the dominant the feet the, the less dominant the opposites mm-hmm. and exploring all those co- coordination with singles doubles and paradiddles I try not to reinvent the wheel and going about like this crazy Uber pattern because if I'm thinking about it, am I going to use it on the gig? No. Mm-hmm. But if my foundation is better, all the fluffy, yeah. sparkly stuff is going to is going to benefit anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't spend hours and hours and hours working on uh, like semi-quaver fills and crazy stuff. I go right the way back because all that will come with yeah. foundation, you exactly. know. So, um, and I try and keep it interesting. I try and do something every day and uh, and. Um, Obviously, if there's music that I feel like I'm clinging on to in the set, that's my priority. But most days, you know, I'm on I'm on the pad on tour for a good hour a day and, and I just lock myself away. Whether it's going to a park, I try not to practice in the venue because mm-hmm. you can get quite stale. I will yeah. just literally pack a bag, get my sticks, go and find a park and just go and work on stuff. Take some manuscript out and you'll find some some cool stuff. You know, I was, I was doing this one thing with my, 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 my students and clinics recently where I had a pack of cards and I just put right, left, right, left, right, left, shuffle the cards, throw them out, and that'll be my sticking <laughs> oh, pattern for the day. That's awesome. Yeah, which is cool. And then and then just pick three numbers. So let's say I I, I I picked out like 16 cards on the floor and it was like this crazy pattern. I'd then pick three numbers, like 9, 12, or 10, and look where 9, 12, or 10 are and substitute it for a bass drum or a left foot. So oh. all of a sudden you're starting to build this linear stuff and it's cost like less than a dollar, you know. <laughs> so um, I do that quite a lot, you know, just just like random note generators, just to, just to come up with ideas that, because it's very, very easy, especially when you're on your road or in your practice room, um, as we are, is just to play the same thing. You know, as, as humans, we we like things, emotive things that which make us smile. And that's normally something we like, you know. Something we're good at already. Yeah, yeah. something we're good at, something we've got down rather than let's work out some stuff, you know. I'll always I'll always do the hard work first and work out something and then finish with a, something cool. So when I shut the door, I'm in a happy place. I'm not like, I want to burn my drum set because <laughs> I can't do this, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I normally have a pack of cards or some dice, 
So spin the dice, there's my time signature or wherever it may. Just simple stuff that, that will inspire you to play new things all the time. Yeah. But they're the cards thing. I, I do that That's all really the time. Cool. It works really well. <laughs> because you can say, do you know what? Today I'm going to deal 15 cards. So you're going you're to be chopping around 15, 16 or 21 and then put it out, pick a few numbers, replace them for kick drums and hi-hats. There's your linear pattern and it's crazy. You mm-hmm. know, you want to play anything like it before. So, and it works really well. <laughs> You'll never play anything like that's it That's right. Yeah, that is it. You know, yeah. it's, it's just keeping it inspiring, keeping it fun and keeping it accessible. Mm-hmm. So, so many guys, I, you know, I've been doing quite a lot of teaching on this tour and so many guys when they want to talk about getting better, they're looking at the most craziest stuff when really the answer is looking at the most simpler stuff, making that better, mm-hmm. building a more solid foundation to move forward, you know, working on your sound, mm-hmm. working on your tone. It's such a massive thing. I see so many guys that have got all the fluffy thing down, but they've got no substance. They've got no real tone. Yeah. They've got no real foundation. And you can see it and they will hit the wall eventually, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect, me included, by the way. Sure. Uh, and I went that way by trying to do all that crazy stuff, thinking when it comes down to playing groove stuff, is what which is what we pay our bills with. That's kind of missing a little bit. So let's <laughs> let's go and let's go yeah. and get that nail before we can do all that stuff. And but yeah, so that's what I kind of work on. If you guys like what you're hearing, you can find me at Instagram.com forward slash behind the kit official. That's B E H I N D T H E K I T O F F I C I A L. If you want more, you can also go to facebook.com forward slash behind the kit official. Same spelling as previously mentioned. I'm also, of course, on the YouTubes. That is youtube.com forward slash behind the kit SLC. That stands for Salt Lake City, which is where I am based out of. So what are some of the bigger steps forward um, in your career that you've noticed? Or maybe was there one thing in particular that kind of set you to the next bar? I mean, obviously the Stephen Wilson gig was the, probably the hugest. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, that was the catalyst. Before that, what happened? Yeah, I, I, I started noticing things. To, listen, let's, let's get one thing straight. I'm just a drummer at the end of the day, you know, and um, you never know from one day to the next. It's feast or famine. You never know if the phone's going to ring, if it's not going to ring. You know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat this. I, sure. I, I, you know, for your guys watching at home and, and no matter how big the celebrity status is of a drummer, and I'm not including myself in that back bracket, I'm just saying as a working drummer, you never know from one day to the next if, if it's got, you've got a tour coming in or, or not. So what I've tried to do over the years is build a portfolio career to keep the phone ringing, doing that like doing jingles, I write, I produce, I remix, you know, I, I, I teach a lot. Teaching is pretty much my favorite thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I got my studio, which I, where I, record, I record albums from. So I've tried to, to, to make the phone ring as much as possible. Um, in that, I, I noticed a big change probably about four years ago, I think, really, when I was starting to get a little bit more notice in the UK and I was starting to, to, to get asked to do drum festivals worldwide not just uk and that was that was pretty humbling for me because you get you you get you get on the bill and you see all these drummers going i don't know this guy who's this guy and it's like okay deep breath do my set and then they invite you back and your your celebrity drummer heroes want to speak to you and change numbers and i realized then you're starting to you know make a difference make a little bit of a difference and make a dent wherever Mm -hmm. that may may be in my mind you know if you're in music industry and you're looking at success, success is paying the bills. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care what stage you're on. Yep. You know, success is looking after that family every month and paying the bills. Um, obviously, when the call came from Stephen, um, all the magazines came came knocking for, for either covers or interviews, which is 
I always wanted to be a drummer's drummer. I never wanted to be a guy that's going to sit up a band and play pop music. I always wanted to be that guy that drummers would go, I love him, or he's an inspiration, or... And that's still a work in progress, you know? It's not something yeah. I'll ever rest on my laurels. I love the fact if I'll go and do a masterclass, I did Rupp's Drums in Denver yesterday. It's a full house, and you've got people coming up to you saying, I watch your videos, I love doing that, doing that. That, for me, is worth its absolute weight in gold more than any tour, that you're inspiring a seven-year-old little kid to pick up a pair of sticks who's watching your stuff, and he wants to play something like Craig. Mm-hmm. talking as a third person idiot now um, <laughs> but I love that that for me was when I realised things were changing a little bit a little bit where people were coming up to you at master classes at clinics and saying that I've been watching your stuff I'm trying your stuff I've got it into my playing vocabulary now and I love it and you're a huge inspiration that's all I set out to do you know mm-hmm. um, all the magazine stuff it's fantastic of course you know and my mum saves everything <laughs> which is, is great she's got a scrapbook at home of everything and if I'm being really pathetic so do I because you know the, the first time I got in Rhythm Magazine whatever it was 2001 2002 tiny little box to get in the front cover and now you know it's like how humbling is that you know yeah. it's it's dreams do come true but it's taken a lot of work it's taken like go and do an amazing gig like playing with bruce dickinson and then back to the day job go and play with some guys from deep purple back to the day job it's like oh. <laughs> try and make it stick is quite difficult yeah. you know yeah. and um so i thought right I'm, I'm at the mercy of other people so I, i'm going to do my own thing i want to teach set up my teaching practice which has been amazing uh, i've got a lot of students and they're all fantastic they all work really hard for me i push them really really hard um but they're getting results and I'm getting results out of them and, and you have that beautiful working relationship and you get to see those guys on the gig and also some of the gigs that I get asked to do I've now got those guys on it so it's like oh, I feel like a proud dad That's you know, cool. even though they're older than me you yeah, know yeah. you're just like I've got, I've got some of my guys on, on the gigs that I'm getting offered so, so that for me is like that, 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 that's great but um, yeah. yeah things things started changing and you know when all this is over for the Stephen tour who knows what will happen next you know mm-hmm. it's on to the next challenge Yeah. Um, but you just got to make the, the best out of while you're there make the best out of it and that's what I'm intending to do every mm-hmm. time okay so what made you want to get into the engineering side or the electronic side of production um, of drumming instead of just behind the kit I, I was completely fascinated with, with drum production I used to I used to go into studios and watch engineers work and fascinated how you make a 10 inch tom or whatever sound like that you know i could never get that sound how, how can you do it so i used to literally do session after session after seven some good some bad some great engineers some bad engineers i thought do you know i can do this i can do this at home myself and 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 offer a bigger service so I, offer, I can offer my own you know if you want me on your, on your album you can get me on your album if you know if if, mm-hmm. if i'm free so um, uh, I had a relationship with Sennheiser. Uh, my, I used to play in a function band with some guys in the Sennheiser. They were great. We were really good friends of mine. And over the past, I guess, four or five years, it's solidified more and, and they took over Neumann. So my studio is kitted out with some amazing stuff. And I just decided that I'm going to learn how to get the best possible drum sound I possibly can in my studio space. I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And some of my friends, like even Stephen or John Mitchell, they're amazing engineers in in their own right and how Mm -hmm. to get drum sounds. I've just been kind of like over their shoulder watching, watching and learning and learning and learning. And years of uh, getting it wrong and years of mistakes as well. Um, And now pretty much when, you know, if I'm playing on someone's album, I'll engineer, I'll, I'll edit, I'll produce my, all my own drum sounds, send them all like 30 stems, whatever, and it's gone. So I know that when it leaves, I've got my perfect drum sound. They can tweak it, obviously, do what they, right. they, they want. But right. it just, 
you know, it makes it more appealing that rather than like, if you want to hire me, you've got to put me on a plane, you've got to sort a kid out, you've got to do that. And, th- you know, those sessions do still happen from time to time where I have to fly or I have to go down to London or wherever it may be. But for the most time now, it's great for me. I can get up, make myself a cup of tea, go into my studio and play on someone's album, shut the door and I'm home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can go to work in a pair of pants and a t-shirt. Nobody knows, you know, yep. it's, it's, it's great. It is, it is great. But I, I'm obsessed with drum sounds, both live and, and and you know um in the studio mm-hmm. so especially with the electronic side of thing as well I'm, I'm pretty fascinated with that i still am still learning so i was watching an interview i think it was a skype interview you did with somebody in december right maybe 2016 yeah and you're saying that when you send your tracks off and then you hear it maybe on the radio or something later on and it's so tweaked and compressed and everything that you kind of yeah. have a cringe there yeah you, you know you can <laughs> never ever sign off at the end of the day, I'm a hired gun. Sure. You know, and there's a great video, as a great um, documentary on Netflix about hired guns. But yep. at the end of the day, I'm a hired gun. I can send my drum parts to Universal or to Sony or whoever and play with an artist and think, oh, that sounds amazing. Hear it in the mix, fantastic. And then you'll hear it on the radio or on, on the CD, you'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> but. You know, yeah. you sign off that that's what, you know, yeah. there's the stems, you do what you want. I, I've heard some horror stories, whereas it just sounds like they're playing in the boxes they came in, you know, yeah. but it's like, well, they left my studio great. If you want to have them like that on your record, then that that's absolutely fine. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't be, unless I'm part of that unit, I'm not going to be that sure. precious about it, really. Yeah. But sometimes it makes me laugh, sometimes it puts my head in my hands. <laughs> Uh, so I noticed that you've lost a lot of weight watching some of your older videos. Yeah. Uh, how do you stay healthy on tour? It's really, really hard. You know, a lot of people ask me about that. And yes, thankfully, I've, I've lost a little bit of weight. I decided this tour as well that, you know, I, I, as my as my mom and dad, my, my, my late dad, God rest him, he was, he was quite a big fella. We, our family were never built for speed. You know, we were, <laughs> always, we were always quite big set. And um, I, I played the last tour and I just didn't feel great, you know. From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, everything is around you and everything's a temptation. So you can have food, you can have drink, whatever you want. So, and with, you know, with time to kill, you're in a dressing room. It's like, oh, I should have something to eat. Just yeah. have something to eat. And before you know it, it's two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. You've, you've had a few glasses of wine. You've had your own body weight in cheese. You go to bed, you have nightmares, you wake up, oh, I'm gonna have something to eat now. And it's just that endless <laughs> hamster wheel. Yeah. Um, especially if you've never really toured properly at that level, you know, uh, uh, for that longevity, it's like, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. And I decided this tour that, you know, I want to be fitter. For a start, I want to be fitter. I want to be kicking a football with my son when I'm in my 60s. You know, I want to be chasing the dog around the park. Um, I don't want to be walking up a staircase thinking, (gasps) you know, Mm -hmm. I'm blowing here. I don't want to be playing a track and thinking I'm really struggling to get through this. So I decided just to lose some weight, get some more vitamin C, juice a little bit more, get off the meat, mostly you know get get off that stuff that just sits around for a long time and it's hard to digest get more pasta more a little bit more carbohydrate in the body and just look after myself a little bit better so you know before a show you know i did with this fitbit and i'm burning a lot of calories during the show Mm -hmm. especially in south america where it's really 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 hot as well um and it's just something like that the mindset i'm a little bit lighter on my feet now and i'm feeling much better behind the drum set you know instead of blowing i feel better how long it's going to last who knows i'm a foodie you know i'm an absolute foodie i love yeah. my food and um you know you we get to eat some of the most amazing cuisine we're very i'm very lucky very very lucky um and sometimes it's hard to say no, yeah. especially if you go to India or, you know, you yeah. go to Japan or Australia. It's like, oh, man, every day's a banquet day. You know, yeah. it's like 
Um, but I just can't. I don't eat before a show. I, I won't eat like two hours before a show because it just sits. Yeah. I try not to eat after a show. So I, I'll ma- mainly have my main dinner around 4 p.m. Oh, okay. Sound check's a bit of a struggle, but I know that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll relax as much as possible, try and get an hour's sleep before a show. And then when I take the stage, I'm, I'm pre-energized. You know, because it's a weird, it's a weird lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You're a bat essentially. You know. Yeah. You go to bed at two or three o'clock. You're waking up at eleven, and your whole day is like Bill Murray Groundhog Day. You mm-hmm. know, and. and it's easy to fall into that trap, you know. And I got myself a little fold-up bike on the tour. Oh, nice. So I get out and pedal like a little tourist with my helmet on <laughs> and uh, just go and see the sights, you know. Just get out and get the legs active. And if I'm not on my bike, you know, I'm walking sort of four, five, six, seven miles a day and just seeing the sights. And, you know, I mean, I, I've got this uh, little games room at home, so I collect sporting memorabilia from around the world. And oh, cool. So I'm doing all that due diligence and I'll, I'll get... I'm such a geek, really. I, I'm not that <laughs> rock and roll yeah, I saw person. a picture you're holding up a jersey with your name on it. Yeah, everyone... It's, it's so sweet. Everyone keeps buying me local jerseys and putting my name on with the tour it's, it's like they all get framed you know yeah, I've got some, I've got some awesome. real collectible stuff that <laughs> you know in the years to come I'll hand it down to my son because there's some real like John Elway footballs like some really nice. seriously stuff that I've collected over this last three years you know where everyone's like drinking 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 relaxing I'm, I'm like a geek in the morning let's go and, let's go and get stuff you know um, but to be honest you, you get used to the company you're in. It's not a boozy tour, really. You know, mm. there's not there's not guys that get smashed every night. It's a, we can't. We yeah. can't because if I do, I know I've got eight hours on a bus. I'm going to feel seasick. I'm going to get up and it's going to compromise the job. And I don't want to lose the job by being a bit selfish. Absolutely. Um, so I just try and watch it. I have, a, I, I have a drink after a show occasionally, you know, with the guys. If it's a night off like tonight after a show, we know we've got a night off tomorrow. We'll probably have a drink in the dressing room together and just relax. There's no rush. We can just cut back a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but most times I, I, I stay away from it now, you know. I didn't the first tour. I didn't the first. I was like, oh, wow, there's that, there's that, there's that. I'm going <laughs> to drink and eat it all, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I can see how people fall foul of that on the road, you know. It's an easy mm-hmm. trap to get into when it's there every single day yeah. of the week, you know. That's so good food. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a bit more sensible now. I'm just getting older. That's all it is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so who are some of your favorite drummers? Do you know, I'm a bit of a freak, really. I, I I had drumming influences growing up. I find it now quite difficult to watch drummers. I get quite intimidated So uh, with the mindset I'm in. So I've still got great, you know, favorite favorite drummers. Um, obviously, Neil Peart. With, with the music I grew up to, listening to, um, Buddy Rich, obviously, just ridiculous hands. And, you know, for, for the younger generation not knowing who that is now, literally search him. Yes, please. You know, he's just it's <laughs> absolute freak of nature. Um, you know... Most of my favorite drummers, I'm very lucky they're friends. Um, so I still get starstruck and I still have that. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I will say people like Gavin and Marco and Thomas Lang and that generation of drummer where it's a little bit more extreme, but musical um, rather than notes for notes sake, which turns me off completely. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Tony Williams back in the day floored me and still floors me now. Uh, if we're looking at groove players, Purdy or Jeff Beccaro, I was a huge Toto fan, obviously. So quite an eclectic mix. And then the spotty, long-haired, mullet teenager in me was an absolute <laughs> Dave Lombardo freak, you know. Um, and then Vinny, obviously. Stanton Moore. There's so many drummers that, that I know now that are just... They're kind of pioneers in their genre, you know. And... They're nice guys, which for me is, is a massive part. You know, I, I've met so many drummers. I'm quite lucky the community is blessed with some great guys. There's yeah. very few that are, are idiots, you know, and uh, <laughs> they soon get, they get their reputation precedes them, you know. So, yeah. but um, 
you know, the people I like are generally nice people because I think that's infectious. You know, if you know they're a nice person, it makes it more endearing and, and you know, you, you kind of watch that little that little bit more. You mm-hmm. know? So, um, yeah, I would say those guys, definitely. Cool. So if you could take drum lessons from anybody, yeah, dead or alive, who would it be? Absolutely Buddy Rich, straight away. You know, I have to get him on a good day, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, just staggering pioneer before everything was before its time. Um I don't think it's ever been replicated. And it shouldn't be, you know. It goes, right. goes back to that, there's only one Marco, there's only yeah. one Gavin, there's only yeah. one me, there's only one everybody, you know. Um, just watching it now and seeing some of the stuff from the 60s, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and then I would say, you know, everyone thinks I'm this prog head and whatever. I'm, I love playing jazz fusion stuff. That's my that's my thing, really, you know. That's why I, I, I love playing more than anything. Don't get to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Williams, for me, just just that crossover of playing this amazing jazz with this swing to this rock on top with this rock element that was just a powerhouse. You know, you look at some of the solo footage when he was on these, uh, uh, God, I can't remember, there's a drum festival footage from mid-80s, I think, or early 80s, I can't remember when it was. And it's staggering. It's just his tone. And he's he's laying into this kit, ridiculous. I don't know, maybe seventies. I can't remember, but yeah. it, it's staggering, absolutely staggering stuff. You That's know. cool. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, I think. And there's a side of me that would love to spend an hour in the room with Neil. Um, actually, probably not talk about drums, just talk about mindset because I know I've read quite a few of his books and and he's yeah. a really interesting character. I wouldn't be interested in talking drums with him, I think, you know, it's just like, it'd be a wasted conversation. It's, it's all been spoke about, it's all been done. Yeah. I'd like to talk about this, what this does, mm-hmm. you know, because I know it's a big thing and it's a massive thing for me. So, yeah. yeah. Did you ever get into Lenny White? Yeah, of course. With, uh, Ridicu- ridiculous, ridiculous. I know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Guy's an absolute freak of nature. Yes. So what's a favorite thing on this kit you have right now? Hmm. I mean, I know you mentioned the three floor toms before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of things on this kit which I love. It's a very musical kit, you know. For me, once again, that little drummer in me, from being in a hotel in Norway and sketching out this kit on paper to seeing it delivered, that was staggering for me. And I, I know a lot of the, the big guys take it for granted. You can sure. get, they can build anything, but yeah. you know, I don't consider myself in that. Irrespective of how people see me, mm-hmm. I just consider myself a working drummer, irrespective of working with Steven. So when Peisty put logos on my cymbals and they've done it for like nine people in their history, that was a big day. And I, <laughs> yeah. I you know, I spoke to Christian and he'd spoke to Eric Peisty and they were like, of course, of course. And, you know, you get emails off, off, off Kelly Peisty or all those guys like, we love what you're doing, seeing this, seeing that. It's just, that's, so that cool. blows my mind. Yeah. Absolutely blows my mind. Um, I think my favorite thing on this drum set Gong drum. I play progressive music, so it's got to be got gong drum. <laughs> Everyone has a gong drum. Now, I, 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 I'm very lucky. Tonally, it's got everything covered, right? Eight through 18. Mm-hmm. Um, kick drums are great. They made me this little 16 by 16 kick as well, which is... Like a three-ply kick? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I have a trigger on that, so that plays all the album sounds live. Oh, cool. um, so that's pretty neat. Uh, and the snare drums, they make, you know, custom snare drum sizes on the left-hand side of me. So every part of the kit's pretty special, you know. Um, but yeah, every time I, I look at my symbols and I just think, oh, it's got a load. This is, this is <laughs> sexy. Yeah, all my heroes <laughs> played 2002s. You know, if you're looking at the Bonham yeah. or the Lombardo played Roods as well. You're thinking, oh man, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, Bill <laughs> Bruford. Um, and then you, you're in that family with people uh, uh, who nothing is too much trouble and 
they are delighted to say, I'm, I've never been one of those guys who go, oh, look at me, I get free stuff. I, I'm, I'm so proud that I get endorsements, you know, and, mm -hmm. and the whole endorsement thing is a, is a minefield, as I'm sure you know, and, and everyone's on the blag, and everybody wants something, and, yeah. you know, they, they say they got a massive endorsement, and they just got, like, a few dollars off, you know. <laughs> it's like, to get to get the gear like that, and it's taken years, it's taken, you know, 30 years, mm -hmm. um, getting on the ladder, getting $30 off, or whatever it may, yeah. to now everything is bespoke made for me. I, what more can you ask for? It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. So what is the biggest drum malfunction you've ever had? Oh man, I've had so many things happen to me. I, I <laughs> calamity follows me around over the years, you know. <laughs> Malfunction, right. I've had modules go down, completely go down. I've had power cuts on stage where everything goes down, literally ears go, the whole thing goes. Oh I remember turning up to a gig when I was in my younger days, cutting to my teeth with no bass drum pedals and having to kick the bass drum. No, I didn't <laughs> no, I didn't kick the bass drum. I had a and it was an AKG D one twelve. And we had no pedals. I turned up, it was like a corporate dance band thing, and I'm like Ah, left my my pedals look beautiful by the front door at home. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay, so we had the D112, and I was just literally stamping on the D112 all night. <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. On the same gig, the snare stand went down. So the snare was on a table, and a D112, and the snare was moving. So we had to gaffer this. Oh, it's just rubbish. <laughs> Things you learn over the years, you know. Um, and the, the idea is not to panic. I've had, with power, like in, in some venues, you have real dirty power. So it sounds like you're playing in a pit of snakes in your ears all the time and you get popping and crackles. So on this tour, my, my gear has gone down. It's been zapped, you know, with power and stuff. It's like, right, okay, I'm just going to watch the click light and try and stay there or listen to Stephen's monitors and listen to the hi-hat part oh and gosh. stay there. So it's like, when people say, oh, he looks miserable, I'm literally, you have no idea what's going on some days, you know. There can be, there is so much tech on that stage. There is so much tech. You know, naturally things do do go wrong and we try and keep, keep, keep as calm as possible and don't let the audience know that that stuff is going on. Yeah. That's the important thing. It's, yep. It goes back to sink or swim again. It only comes from experience by just going, oh, or just like, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, speak to my time in a bit of trouble here can you help yeah, me out you know yeah. we have a great crew so um, that they are really on it but yeah things do go wrong you know we're only human and things do malfunction especially with electronics you yeah. know with power surges and you never know what's going to happen yeah <laughs> that's crazy uh, if you could give three pieces of advice um, to any drummers out there watching what would it be that's a great question um, three pieces of advice I would say be the best you you can be you know, nobody wants, like I've said before in this interview, nobody wants that other drummer. Nobody wants a Marco because that Marco's already taken. Nobody mm -hmm. wants a Gavin or a Chad Wackerman. You know, certainly, as I found out when I got this gig, I was trying to be all three of those guys, and it's never going to work. It's never going to work. So um, be the best you you can be. When you think you've practiced and you've practiced enough, practice harder. You know, practice <laughs> yeah. harder. And because there's always going to be that one guy that's up, but practicing the right thing. You don't have to practice for 20 hours a day. You can practice for an hour and get the most effective practice. Be really, really c courageous and, and, and be thoughtful with your practice routine. Make it count. And you know, the biggest thing for me, which I've learned now, is when you sit down and play and you're playing to an audience, smile enjoy it because when you when you're smiling it's infectious and you get people mm -hmm. on side you know and that's the thing when i first took to the stool i'd sit there and i'd be like rabbit in headlights and everyone thought i was measurable <laughs> and the, it, it feeds to your audience they're just like static i love what i do and it's taken years for me to sit down and show it mm -hmm. you know because of my nerves so i'll sit down i will smile and when I'm smiling, everyone's on your side and they smile. They might, you might not be a favorite drummer and they might turn up to see another drummer. Sure. But what they are is on side and they'll be with you for those three hours. Even if you make a mistake, smile. It yeah. doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Um, that would be my three. Uh, when's your next solo record coming out? 
I've been working on this now for about three years. Uh, I keep writing it, scrapping it, writing it, scrapping <laughs> it. I don't just want to be one of those guys who puts out a drum album. Sure. I don't want to do that. Um, it's been done. It's been done. And nobody wants to listen to a drum solo for 60 minutes anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, that bores me. So I've been writing some stuff, some some progressive stuff, dare I say, some quite dark stuff. Um, and I'm just kind of sketching it. It's pretty much nearly done. Sketches. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that and I could discard the whole thing in the morning and start <laughs> yeah. again. I've had like... The past three weeks, I've got rid of it, started again, got rid of it. Oh, I like that. Oh, I hate it. You know, <laughs> it's the joys of being an artist. Yeah. Um, I've got my guest list for the album. We've all said yes, and it's staggering, you know. Um, so I am going to do it. I am going to do it. And it's going to be very different. It's going to be dubstep, electronica, metal, progressive. It's going to nice. be just eclectic, crazy stuff that I hear in my head. Pusher. Yeah, just welcome to the crazy world of my head, I think, really. just um, <laughs> I know it's not going to be a commercial success, but the people who follow me and they know the stuff that I write, mm-hmm. I write some weird, dark, freaky stuff, time signature-wise. That's what I love. That's what I, that's what I love. So um, I'm going to say this year, it could be three years time but that's the plan <laughs> yeah, at the moment yeah. i would love to get this out you know and i'm i'm trying to write more on the road i'm trying to write a lot more on the road stuff I, your first record was one yeah one? yeah okay, that's so that drum and bass album you yeah. have that one song that has a bunch of saw sound clips that's right yeah yeah <laughs> unfair ground yeah. yeah i'm obsessed by horror movies really i'm like Steve, i'm obsessed with serial killers and horror movies and I, I look like a guy who's a preppy guy but <laughs> i'm really into dark stuff like really into dark so i love horror films especially the saw stuff that that freaked me out and it affected me i was like i yeah. need to write some stuff like that and just getting that mindset of that guy not that i'm gonna go out on a serial killer massage sure a <laughs> rampage but um just writing music that but if you switch the lights off it'll make people go oh that's a bit weird oh that's dark oh but this time i want to do it a little bit heavier i want to do the cool. same sort of vibe yeah but i want to write it heavier that that, that it, it's one of those head bobbers that, that people go oh man that's that's heavy <laughs> you know i learned a lot doing it. it's 2000 12 i think i wrote it and you know it's my first one of my first ventures into writing under that dr octopus pseudonym mm-hmm. um i'm gonna do the same thing again but i've learned so much now i've learned a lot more in my time um and i've got more tools in my disposal at my studio so yeah uh, it's gonna happen and uh, what i've done so far i'm pretty pretty happy with it's 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 fairly disturbing which which is brilliant <laughs> which is what That's i what wanted want, yeah. it's perfect so it's, can you give us any spoilers as to who's going to be on that um not yet. Okay. Not yet, but it's people I'm currently working with. It's going to okay. be a huge part of it, which is great. So, cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for the questions. Thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you, guys. Guys, thanks so much for listening. If you're still here, smash that imaginary like button. Honk your horn if you're in the car just to celebrate that Craig Blundell awesomeness. I'm coming at you soon with a Bermuda Schwartz podcast next he is from weird al yankovic and he has been drumming for him since the beginning what a great dude was super nice when i met him down in saint george and that interview will be forthcoming shortly so stay tuned subscribe to the podcast and make sure to share this with family and friends if you found this interesting thanks so much